Welcome to Rockbrook Church Podcast. We love our community and want to show the love of Christ tangibly in our neighborhoods, workplaces, and homes. This summer, we will discover how serving can make a difference in our community, how serving makes an impact for God and grows our faith in a series called Why I Serve. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. I love it. God did a miracle in your hands. And the reason I say it that way is when Jesus duplicated the the fish and the loaves for the thousands of people and he fed the the 5,000 and more, uh, the miracle, uh, the handing out of the fish and loaves happened in the disciples' hands. And uh, God is doing that uh, through you. God's doing a miracle through you. And what's so awesome about Serve Day is that it's just a little example of what's happening all the time in our church. Uh, um, you know, we're all gonna leave here in a little bit. We're gonna go serve our families and the people around us and the people in our workplaces and our neighbors and everything. May not all be wear, uh, wearing matching shirts, uh, but it's happening. But to, uh, yesterday was such an incredible example of that. And I'm just so proud of you and it's just so honored. I'm just so honored to be a member here and to be a part of this church family, and I hope you are too, because you guys are amazing, you're doing amazing things. Um, we're uh, wrapping up Why I Serve and the Serving Emphasis this weekend. We'll have a new thing next weekend that you're going you're gonna to love. We're getting excited for that now too, but uh, today I wanted to uh, bring you a guest, and uh, his name is Ted McMillan. He's a friend of my father's, and he's a God follower, and he loves his, his wife and his family so much. And uh, he's been faithful to God in the pursuit of, of family and leadership positions. And I'd just love for you to give a, a warm uh, Rockbrook welcome to Ted McMillan. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Hey, Rockbrook. Ted, anything you want to add to that or, or as who you are and, and who you, um, how you speak to us from the platform that you have sure, and everything? Sure, sure. I've been really blessed. God has seen fit uh, to use a weenie like me to be into leadership executive positions. And, uh, and through that, though, uh, even though when we're in business, we're, about, we're, we're all about making money, God has fortunately gotten through to my heart that really when we're in business, it's about the people's lives that you're inter- interacting with and that the gospel needs to be shown there and, and exhibited and how I act, how I behave, and what we say. So I'm really grateful that uh, God has chosen to allow that uh, to be a part of who I am, and not only in the corporate world, but in ministry, within the local body of Christ, and then really most importantly within my marriage and within my family. So I'm very grateful for that. That's great. Uh, today's really going to be a recap of where we've been on the, in this series. If you can think back with me, um, the, the Father's Day message from Pastor Kelly and, and leading our family and, and uh, finding a father, being a father, and just how being a servant of Christ affects our family and uh, our, our leadership in our lives that uh, leaders serve. And so we are to lead, we're to leverage the authority we have in our life, whatever that authority is, for the benefit of those under our authority. Uh, that we're going to see work not as a prison, not just as a necessity, not just as a prison, but as a platform, and that God has shaped us and formed us, and that we are made by God. But if you remember back to the first week, the first week we talked about the first duty as a Christian, and the first duty as a Christian isn't to do anything. 
uh, that before we serve God, God has served us. Before we love God back, before we love other people, God has first loved us. And the first purpose of our life is to be loved by God. And the first calling on our life is to live in a relationship with God. And that relationship is as a child, his son or his daughter. So Ted, how has seeing yourself as a child of God, being in love with God, how's that shaped your life? And, and you talk about ordering your life. How's that, how's that determined how you order your life? Right. Well, you know, in business, everything has to have a process flow. It has to be perfect in order to have a perfect outcome. And, and really, as I look at my life and how I've pursued Christ, I see these two bookends. Um, as, they, as they shared, um, the, as the leadership team here shared what, the, what this month and the, the previous week was about, I was listening to the podcast and there was something that Pastor Kelly said that really resonated with the bookends. You know, we started out in our mother's womb and regardless of how that happened, well, we know how it happened, but regardless of, of the circumstances around that, right. the, the Bible says, and by the way, let me, let me take a sidebar here real quick. As I speak today, there's two things I want you to know. I believe that the Bible is God's breathed word for us. It's without error. It's his, love, it's his love message to us. That's number one. Number two, as I sit in front of you here, I'm in no way perfect. So as I talk, you know, I, I, I've struggled, I have failed, I have sinned in my life, and uh, it's only by God's grace that I'm up here in front of you talking. So now that I got that out of the way. So as God formed us in our mother's womb, he had a purpose from the get-go. And then the other end of this chasm is a day when we're all, we're all going to meet God someday, and we're all going to stand before him. And so that requires something. He created us, and we're going to stand before him someday. And so that greatly should impact all of us, but boy, it has really impacted me, because while I'm on this journey, that means that in my relationships with my wife, in the discipleship and the, the working with my family, how I do ministry in the body of Christ, and then what I do in the workplace, because we spend so much time in the workplace, that those things really matter, and that ultimately in those things, I must be an ambassador for God. I must. So uh, that order and that process is, is pivotal to me as a Christian. That's great. I asked Ted if he had any um, Bible passages he wanted to share with us today. And he sent me um, a passage from Matthew 25, and we both have such an affinity for, for this chapter. Uh, this is a chapter my dad preached when um, he uh, did the ceremony, for, wedding ceremony for Lauren and I, and uh, we just love this passage. It's the, in Matthew 25, that's where the famous line is where Jesus says, um, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Now come in, let the party begin. Come in, reign over much. And uh, that's a little bit before this, but he goes on, and this is in your uh, notes and your outline, it's also going to be on the screen. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Ted, can you tell us why you sent us this passage today and and what the circumstances were when this really impacted you? Sure. Probably most of us have had a buzzsaw moment where God really gets a hold of us. You know, post, we get saved, and then at some point there's just this this moment where you have an aha. And this happened for me in 2002. I was blessed to be raised in a great Christian family, and my dad made missions a big part of who we were. Anytime missionaries were coming to town, my dad fought to have them stay in our home and provide them with a place for shelter. So I was raised with a, a real awareness of the importance of missions. But as I, as I grew in my success, I was, it got really easy writing checks. And in 2002, I went on my first like, real missions trip into a real third world country. And boy, uh, I learned what it meant to not be at a Marriott hotel. Whew. I was in a third world apartment. And in the middle of the night, I was hating it. I was hating it there. I hated the smells, I hated the pain, I hated the sin, I hated, I just hated the whole thing, I was miserable. In the middle of the night, a gecko or something ran across my face and scared the heck out of me, woke me up, I had a big pink blouse on screaming and running around and body fluids and and, uh, so I'm awake and I'm in this little apartment and I find these books and there was this old, it was copyrighted 1960 or 61, it was an old Billy Graham devotional. And he was, re, he was, the devotion was about a time in the 50s where he had gone into Germany to visit these little handful of evangelical churches that somehow had survived through World War II. He went to go visit them and encourage them with the, with, um, to, by visiting them. And in this devotional, he had gone to a church where, of course, Dresden had been bombed more than any other city in Germany because of its strategic importance to the, to the German government. And so... There he was in this new little church, a very simple church that the, the body had built. And the front was this beat-up statue of something. And, and Billy said he was drawn to it. And he went to look at it. And lo and behold, it was a statue that they told him, well, this, was, this is Jesus. And it had been pitted. It was blackened. It was it come originally from Italy. It had been made out of beautiful white stone. But here was this beat-up Jesus missing its hands. And the, the, the shepherd of that flock said that even though they had lost everything through the World War II, 
that body of Christ in that very dark and evil place was so intentional on still trying to be Christ to people during that time. And they had won many to Christ through that time. And that Jesus was the only thing that survived the building. And the pastor wanted up front to remind them that they are to be the hands and feet of Christ. And what's going to matter in the end isn't whether you had robes or not, what kind of building you were in, blah, 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 church. It's what did you do with Jesus Christ? And that went through me. I, I mean, I literally cried till I had the worst headache I've ever had. And from that night on, I committed that me, starting with me, and then my family, we're going to be very others-oriented in being the gospel in action. Love is a verb to the people around us. And by God's grace and mercy, we've been pursuing that ever since. The title of that devotional was Live with God's Glory in View. Amen. Don't forget about the glory of God. Live with it in view in your life. Look through the lens of God's glory. It changes everything. It impacts everything. Mm. Uh, Ted, I love hearing how you talk about your family and your love for them and uh, your desire to fulfill what God expects of you and what God expects of a husband and a father. Mm. And so just introduce us to your family. We got a picture of them here. And uh, tell us a little bit about your family. Greatest joy right there. Uh, Left to right is my son, Dalton. Uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit, and that's, uh, that's uh, he's so important in my heart. There in front of me and my bride is Jax. He wants to be called Super Jax. It's a little weird, but he's a great <laughs> dog. There's my, there's my girlfriend of 30 years, five months and two weeks. He calls his wife his girlfriend, so don't let that throw you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's been no one more like Christ to me than my bride. True. Then the beautiful young lady next to her is my youngest lamb, Cameron. She goes to John Brown University, really on fire for the Lord, and uh, big into discipleship now, and she's just a, a sweetheart. Kylie is my oldest lamb and is ferocious with her smile and her love for God, and she married David. Uh, he's very much like the good David of the Bible, not the bad David of the Bible. All the best and, parts. Uh, yeah, the best parts. Yeah. And so, um, so that's, that's God's, after salvation, that's God's greatest gift to me right there. That's wonderful. So how has having the heart of a servant in your life impacted how you lead and love your family? You bet. Um, It's a real joy to lead. And uh, first it starts with the husband-wife relationship, not the kids. It's husband-wife. And and for me just to exalt her and lift her up and encourage her and love on her. And uh, and that's just a real, that's a real cool ministry within itself. And, And we do ministry together in the local body. And then over the years, we were really blessed. Early on, we took a, a curriculum called Heritage Builders. So me and my wife were very intentional about having our Christian faith be preeminent in our family and, and make much about that. And then we also got involved in a child discipleship, uh, impacting the hearts of your kids and discipling them. And so we've been very intentional uh, since our children were little to make much of Christ in our home, not legalistically, but to make sure that we'd spend time in God's Word, we, we'd have family devotions, make it fun, have food. And, uh, then, and then we had very, uh, we'd have, spent a lot of time in prayer. We would have, uh, about every quarter, my wife would update the prayer list, and Monday through Saturday we would have missionaries and people who were hurting, and uh, we, we just made that part of our faith a very, very important part of our family, and, and just integrate that in a very natural way. But leading that, 
has been a real joy for me and, and something I've really enjoyed doing. That's great. How has, you said you were going to talk about your son. Um, what's that look like now? And You bet. Uh, you know, when we go after our children's hearts, it's not to get perfection. It's not to get something that, you know, um, that can be a source of pride or anything. It's to introduce them to Christ and give them an opportunity to meet Christ. But it's up to them what they do with Christ. It's up to them what they, what they do. And so uh, even though all three of our children have professed a, a faith in Christ and have been baptized in, in an outward um, declaration, about third quarter of last year, we noticed some changes in my son's uh, behavior. And so I lovingly approached him, and that started us on a journey that we're on right now. And a couple things came out. He really wasn't sure who Christ was to him. Don't know what that really means, you know, really to him. I think he's, he's, you know, he's just really lost and angry and confused. But where it's culminated today is my son uh, is in Phoenix, Arizona, getting help. And um, I know that God has a purpose in this. Is this God's will? Did God want him to do that? No. But does God, will God have a purpose in this? Absolutely. And already, my wife and I have been able to minister to people that before we just wouldn't have had a clue about. In fact, in my haughtiness, I probably thought, well, you know, maybe you didn't parent well. You know, something dumb like that goes through your head. How sinful is that? Mm. And so, uh, we are on a new journey right now with my son. It's not a matter of, from where I'm standing, if he's going to surrender his heart to Christ, it's a matter of when. But boy, is God using it in our lives to yet further declaring his love. Um, and so uh, it's something that uh, we're really prayerful for. If you, you think about it, just thanks for praying for our son Dalton. I'll be going out there next weekend to love on him some more. So, I think there's a lot of people in our church family you know, that, that know that in parenting there's no guarantees. Um, and... Uh, we've got a lot of um, kids, adult kids in our church family that we're praying for um, that are struggling with their faith right now, who are living um, with uh, decisions that they've made and uh, the things that uh, come out of that. And so just, just speak to that a little bit for us of what are the things you're, you're doing for him as you pursue him and love him and father him? Because the, the, the parenting never ends just because your kids are adults. Um, it's yeah. just a new stage and a new season. So how are you navigating this, this with him? You bet. You know, in business, uh, when there's a root cause problem, we really go after it. We do a Kaizen event or something. We go after it with a lot of zeal. Well, this is, you know, business rots. It goes away someday. It's going to be dust. This is my son. And so the minute, you know, and I'll, I'll confess, my first 24 hours, I was mad. You know, when I figured out what was going on, I was mad. And I was really mad at the sin. I was really mad. Isn't sin so evil? Gosh, I hate sin. So, but then quickly God, you know, said, but for the grace of, great, great grace of God, Ted, you'd be that. And boy, is that not true? Hmm. So, boy, we just went after his heart and we started, um, you know, giving him the help he needed and making sure that biblical principles were part of that. But what I also did is I went to five men. There's five men in my life who have been mentors to me, who've helped disciple me, who are just real examples of Christ. And I approached those five men. I said, I need you to come alongside me. I need you to help me to pray for my son every day. I'm going to ask you to commit to my son every day. But I also need you to reach out to him. And those men have all traveled to see him. Those men have gone alongside him to cry with him. 
those men have come alongside him and written letters to him. I think Dalton, to my last count, he had 40-some letters. And these men have shared from their hearts their failures, their lies that they bought into, that hole that you get duped by the world, that something's going to help you out. When in fact, the only hope, the only peace, the only love that matters is from our loving Jesus Christ. So I'm going after him like you can't believe. But by God's grace and mercy, uh, someday my son will be a faithful follower and Lord willing, he'll be, this will be part of his story and uh, God will use it. Only God can use something so crappy for his glory. Right. And we look forward to that day. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, so many stories of God just kind of stepping in and confirming uh, decisions you've made, things that your family's been diligent in um, that I enjoy so much. One specifically I'd love for you to share with our church family is uh, the Corner Cafe story. Tell us the Corner Cafe you story. You missed it. My, the last service, the first service, my, my girlfriend was here, so it was fun having her nodding her head with her beautiful eyes and affirming the story. You don't get that today. You get this bald guy, me. But, <laughs> but uh, okay, so every school year we'd have a theme. And I would pick a Bible character, and then our devotionals for the rest of that year, we'd periodically go back to that. And in 2007, August of 2007, my theme was being a difference maker, and Nehemiah was my Bible character. And so I would always write out a devotional, and I'd get prepared, and we would go to, uh, the first day of school, we'd go to a place for breakfast and make it a big deal, because you want to make it a big deal. That's part of that heritage builder stuff, okay? And so... I had prepared my notes, and I had talked about who are the difference makers today, and I put down back then Michael Jordan, and I even put down that President George W. Bush was a difference maker, because as I do business all over the world, the United States used to be for sure, and the president back then was a real difference maker in the world. And so in my notes, I had that. Well, while we're having breakfast at the Corner Cafe, I can see the doors going back and forth, and men in black suits are back there. And I thought, well, that's weird. And, and so I get this inclination, I need to go walk around. So I go to the front of the corner cafe. This is in Riverside, by the way. And I go to the front, and there's all this security out front. And I start going out the door, and this big guy goes, in or out? I go, oh, in. So I'm, I go back in. <laughs> I go back to my family, and I said, kids, the President of the United States is coming here today. And I just talked about him. And they go, no, no, Dad, no, Dad. And my daughter, who is in high school, this is first day of school. She's looking pretty. She goes, Daddy, we can't stay. I'm dressed. I got to go to school. Look at me. <laughs> what a girl. And I go, no, honey, pack a lunch. We're staying. So we park it there. True. In about 20 to 30 minutes, she's like in the movies, the Armada pulls in. And unbelievably, one of the first things he does is President Bush comes in the door. He's, the door's about where that baptism is. And Lo and behold, the first, fam- the first group he comes to is towards us. And I look at my kids and I said, kids, what day do we pray for the president? My son goes, Saturdays. So as he approached us, I said, Mr. President, I want you to know almost, almost every Saturday since you've been in the White House, me and my family have prayed for you, your wife Laura, and your girls. And he just, he just like, paused and he told the point guy it's okay and so for about two minutes he just talked to me and my family about devotions and about the stuff that's going on and he was just so sincere well he walked off and he went around for 
maybe 10 minutes, and we stood, you know, right where we were at. And as he walked by, he was about 15, 20 feet, as he walked by, he stopped and he pointed at us and he said, I want to thank you for your prayers. They mean a lot to me. And he walked off. That night, we had a very special time as a family. We gathered around. I said, kids, don't miss this. God has reminded us of how he wants to meet with us. He loves for us to spend time with him. And God wants us to pray for people. And I said, this was something that you'll never probably get to experience again, where God just affirms in such a big way what you do with him and your prayers matter. Really a neat moment. And it's something we still talk about as a family. What a just wonderful confirmation of your diligence in that. And Mm -hmm. then I think even a challenge to us today, you know, we're called to pray for the authorities in our life. uh, And that includes the president. And uh, just in all the noise and all the writing and all the social media and all that said, have you prayed for the authorities in your life? Have you stopped and prayed um, for those people? And uh, just, what a, uh, just what a fun thing, just what a fun thing from God to say, hey, I like that you're doing that, yeah. that you're here in Kansas City and the president walks in. So yeah. I want to kind of turn the page and talk about work and talk about business and talk about leadership there. And how, how has being a Jesus follower shaped some of the decisions you've made in the workplace and leading in business? And, and if you would, just kind of start and bring some more clarity to what, um, what that means for you. What business are you in? And, sure. And, Sure. Um, where do you work and those kinds of things? You bet. Probably many of you have heard of Orschelin, Orschelin Farm and Home. Maybe? Okay. Well, uh, anyways, the Orschelins, turn of the century, they invented the parking brake system. A lot of people don't know that. And the Orschelins today have three very large business units. You know the Farm and Home Retail. Well, why did they make the parking brake system? <laughs> well, they used to have dance halls back in the day, and they had this old model tr- Ford T truck conversion thing, and they'd gone, they'd figured out, well, when they, when they go to the dance floors, then they, when they pick people up and they go back empty, they'd go to the river and pick up goods and take it to places. They had this, trucking was kind of their first thing, and they lost a truck in the river. It rolled back <laughs> and it kept going back, so Delbert, Ted, and three of the guys took a ratchet lever and a tension cable and created and designed and patented the first parking brake system. And that went on until the 90s when they almost had a monopoly on parking brake systems. So anyways, up until the fourth quarter of last year, I was the president of Orchland Industries. All the manufacturing side of things. And we were quite global. And people don't know that, but we, all over the world and quite sizable. And we make jets stop. We make a lot of big things stop and, and go for that matter. So anyways, uh, that was my role until fourth quarter of last year. I resigned from that position, took a sabbatical, and today I'm with Winger Manufacturing out of Sabetha, Kansas. Winger makes really cool equipment that makes things that your dog eats, your cat eats. If you like Cheetos Puffs, Winger System. If you like Twizzlers, Winger System. If your dog likes Iams dog food, Winger System. All this is going to be the new Dream Team snacks, by That's the way. right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So... Um, but what was really cool, at Orsland, I was able to, to affect some things for Christ, bringing in a chaplain. We call it a chaplain, but it was a good evangelical Bible teaching guy every couple of weeks, handing out verses and a, a phone number if you have a drug issue or uh, you know, depression or something. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to confront people and show them the love of Christ. But at Winger, it's really cool. We're going to take it to the next level in a lot of areas. Um, but one of the roles I'm getting to play that I, I, just, I just so cherish is how do we better be as leaders and the next level of management ambassadors of Christ to our people? And so we're getting very creative. One of the ways we're doing it, which is really neat, is if you're a husband and wife 
and you want to go to the mission field on a short-term missions trip, we will fly you there. We'll take care of probably the biggest expense of that trip for you. So those are the ways that we promote the gospel and make sure that people recognize in our business it's paramount in what we do. We make equipment, you bet, but we're around people's lives, and the gospel is the most important thing we can share with those people. You have a, a name that... Um thing that you use is you the things mm-hmm. like that that you're talking about of funding these couples or different things like that you put that in a category what do you call that? right right well in business we always talk about return on investment you know and that's called ROI well we've got something and I guaranteed you I guarantee you we plagiarized it I don't know where but I'm not this smart but we call it <laughs> EROI eternal return on investment and so we're putting a lot into thinking about how do we influence our folks to getting to see the gospel in action. So we're, we're putting a lot, and we're going to put metrics on it. We're just building it right now, building it right now. But we're going to have KPIs on how we do on that area of our business as well. So wow, that's, that's how great. important it is to us. As you come in to help a company, or is this this global thing with manufacturing plants in different areas of the world, and just even historically for you as you've come in to help a manufacturing plant or swoop in to help a company, What's your messaging up front, and how do you lead um, and use that platform as a, as a yeah. Christ follower? Really important. Recently took over a company in Denmark, Kolding, Denmark. Beautiful place. Great food. And um, we took over, and of course, when you're coming in from the outside, I'm part of a, we also have a thing called mergers and acquisition. And when you come in outside, people, it's kind of scary, you know, and, and especially coming from the corporate office. And so I spent a week with these people and just wanted to listen and get to know them. But on my Friday, my last day there, I brought everyone together and I made a declaration. And I would challenge each of you to do the same thing in your own, in your own world. I let them know that I'm a Christian. But more importantly, because this is so important, because we live in a world where some Christians are lopping off people's heads. So I said this. I said, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And you need to know a few things about what that means to you. That means I'm going to be very honest with you. Be very honest. I'm going to be very transparent with you. I'm going to work to make sure that I'm, I'm kind and, and I want to be careful with how I do things in this business. We're going to try to show you that we love you. You want to see people's eyebrows go up when you say that, but that's important. <laughs> I want to show, you know, we want to show people that we love you and that we care about you here. Is it about making money? Absolutely. But you know what? We spend a lot of time together. It's going to be a big part of your journey. And so I want to be accountable to you that you should see something different in me. Hopefully not, nothing different weird, but different. And, and that does two things. It makes it very clear who I am. And it makes me be accountable. Because once you've made your declaration that you're a follower of Christ, all of my days they're going to watch what I say and do. But you know, for me, that's how I have to operate. I have to have that kind of understanding that, I, that that's on me. So that's one way uh, when going into a new situation. And uh, it's, it's, it's critical that we're never ashamed of the name of Christ. What I love about that is that he's coming in and saying I'm a Christ follower. And, and oftentimes when we do that, when we make that declaration or we lead with that, uh, it can be taken the wrong way, or maybe we even mean this, where we're saying, I'm a Christ follower, so you can expect me to be offended. Or I'm a Christ follower, you can expect me to be able to debate or argue certain things with you. Or I'm a Christ follower, so I'm going to be frustrated with certain things. He's saying, no, I'm a Christ follower, so you can expect truth. You can expect me to care about who you are, not just the work you, but you and your family, and to care about you. And no one's going to say, well, I don't want that. 
No one's going to say, well, I don't want to work for a Christian then. No, he's leading the way with how God cares about that person and this stuff. Absolutely, it works. It absolutely works. In fact, one of the uh, favorite metrics or things that you've shared um, is, is how this has affected uh, these international plants. Right, right. One story, you know, one of the cool things when you really let God take control, you don't see some of the blessings coming because you didn't get in the way and screw it up. So 2016, I'm with the Orshland group then, and we're every year in China, India, Europe, you have a year end where you meet with your charter accountants and you go over the, the state of the, the business. And so we're in India at one of our factories, and KPMG, one of the top three or four accounting firms in the world, is meeting with me, and the managing director from, the, from KPMG says, Ted, you have just uh, something incredible going on here that I've never seen before. Now, when your chartered accountant tells you that, you ought to pause, <laughs> because it, it means you're in really a lot of trouble, and with me being a U.S. citizen doing business in India, that could mean jail in a very bad place. Or it could mean a good story. And I said, Nilish, what do you mean? He said, you have zero turnover. I go, yeah, well, that's not true. We've let a few people go. We, a couple times had a few top managers we brought in that were, I call them boogers. They just weren't very nice. Around me, they were nice. But the minute I left, they, they became cast people and really drove down hard on our people. And so we would take them out. And he goes, but you, you've, you have no turnover. He goes, I've never, ever seen that. And when I tell people about it, they don't believe me. And I realized mm-hmm. since we had started the business there in 2008, eight years later, no one had ever left us. Well, that's really interesting in India because in their culture, it's ingrained in them because most of them have seen or been around great poverty. What they do is they're, they're energized and they've got to get an education. And so like most of my staff either had their master's or, or doctorate. They were just highly educated. And then they're motivated to just keep getting a, a title and more pay. And so at one point, the metric was they, they said they only stayed for 18 months on average. But it was probably more than two or three years. But we were very blessed. In our, in our company, uh, no, one, no one had left us. And I didn't realize the impact of the gospel until he said that. And that's moving because it does make a difference. People do know the difference between a genuine love and just being used for an output. Yeah. Where people are... There's high turnover. People are just hopping in and out mm-hmm. from place to place. They hop into your place and say, this is different. I yeah. think I'm going to stay here a while. Yeah. So and, yay God. Uh, yeah. So powerful. Um, how, how important has in business and even as you've moved and moved companies and, and navigated these seasons of life and this journey, how important has the local church been mm. in your life and in your decision making and in, and in your ministry. You bet. Good, good question. The three greatest gifts from God in this order are salvation through Christ, the husband-wife relationship, hubba-hubba, and number three, the body of Christ. If it wasn't for the body of Christ, I probably wouldn't be here today. The body of Christ is where we go and not only get fed, but as we grow, then we disciple, we get discipled, we help others, we love others. It's where we flourish. This is one of our four ventricles, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And so how crazy is it that people pick up and move somewhere for a job, and they don't even know if there's a great church there? So I have based, uh, in the last two decades, anytime we've, we've moved to Asia one time, as we've moved all over, I first considered and first sleuthed out, where am I going to go to church? Because there's not a great church there, you're in trouble. You're going you're to wind up somewhere you don't want to be. So absolutely, the body of Christ is, 
is everything. So it has been a pivotal part of any successes I've had in Christ. It's because, in part because of the body of Christ. And so what you have here at Rockbrook is very special. And it's very important uh, for the success that you and your family is going to have in doing the journey for Christ. Yeah, that's great. You can see how this is just a whole recap of everything that we've talked about um, from work and from leadership and from family and from being loved uh, by Christ and how we're shaped uh, in our world uh, to make an impact for Christ. And I just love your closing words there, Ted. And would you mind praying for this local church and praying for the people in this room? What a privilege. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. So grateful that you've rescued us, you've loved us. Your love is so overwhelming, yes. and we're grateful that you're, you're, you do love us. Yes. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, which is, radically changes everything. Thank you for Christ, who was this incredible leader, the best of the best, and yet the best servant ever. Thank you for the local body of Christ. Thank you for this group here at Rockbrook, who even yesterday, hearts moved for a passion for Christ. Yeah. Thank you for a group of people who wants to be the hands and feet, and oh, by the way, why do we do this? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Yes. So thank you for each heart here. Uh, pray that the leadership would stay pure and focused on you. And I pray that the body here would work together to be one in Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your great love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.